The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Well, I'm excited about having the children, more children in the uh, building. And uh, we're going to be using our children and younger children as a bit of a, an illustration this morning. And you'll see why as we proceed. To begin with, though, I want to uh, mention the election that is uh, upon us, and um, we want to pray this morning. In fact, the scripture uh, tells us, first of all, then I ask that supplications and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be offered for everyone, for kings and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life in all devotion and dignity. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wills everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. We're called upon as believers, as Christians, followers of Jesus to, to lift up our government and we don't always agree with our government but we, we are called upon to uphold them. So let's do that now as we think about the coming election. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you God for this country, Canada, and the incredible uh, benefit we, we have by virtue of being in this country, whether we were born here or moved here. And we thank you, Lord, for the relative freedom and, and uh, the dignity of life that is offered us and the opportunities that are offered us. And uh, Lord, we pray that you might enable us to be good citizens. Um, Lord, that we might uphold the, the values that you give us in this culture in this society so that we can be salt and light and that we can make a difference in our neighborhoods and in this nation. Father, would you be glorified through this election? And Lord, um, we ask you to overrule and sovereignly direct this whole election and, and lead government. And may they uh, have a conscience about decisions that they make and and processes that they, they start. And uh, Lord, I pray wisdom, we pray wisdom upon them. Father, uh, would you watch over us, and especially during this difficult season of, of the pandemic of COVID-19, we pray, God, give us grace and wisdom, and Lord, that we might uh, follow after you, Jesus, and do what you would do. So we commit to you this election coming up, and uh, Lord, also we would give to you now this sermon and the time we spend in your word this morning. We're so grateful for it and the opportunity to be reminded of the big, the big rocks in the jar, the, the, the big issues of, of what you call us to do and be. And so open our ears and, and our eyes and our hearts. The Holy Spirit, come and, and speak, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, we looked at uh, 1 Timothy. Now let's go and look at 2 Timothy. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you, in honor of the Word of God, would you stand with me if you're able to in this room? Would you stand with me and let's listen to the Word of God being read? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Then you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. 
An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. May God bless his word. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, for over 12 years in Thunder Bay, where I pastored at First Baptist Church, I had on my door not this actual little thing, but the words of this little caption on the overhead. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that was a, a, a tremendous reminder for me as a pastor. And I wonder, what is the main thing for the church that is following Jesus Christ? What is the main thing? I wonder what the answers we would get if we turned to our neighbor and asked them, what do you think the main thing is for the church? And I hope that as we would share our answers, we would come up with something that resembles the mission statement that is in the foyer on that big wall that says that we decided making and nurturing followers of Jesus Christ through healthy relationship, that's our main thing. And so I hope that somehow we'd all land on that and see the wisdom in that. We adopted that statement over 10 years ago on March 15th, 2011, and it has been kind of like a guiding light for our congregation since that time. However, in recent times, the last couple of years, the board and the staff of our church have been examining just how, how we're doing that, how we're fulfilling that main thing. And whether we are actually really clear on it, whether there's clarity and whether there's alignment in our people, in our leadership, in our programming, in what we do, so that we can actually say we're pursuing it as one person striving together. And so I, I have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, um, sorry, I'm getting behind on myself here, is making disciples our church's number one priority? We asked that, we started asking that more specifically about a year and a half, two years ago, as a, a church leadership. And uh, we began to go on a journey. I'd like to describe a little bit of the journey that the board and the staff of our church have been on for even longer than the pandemic, a little before the pandemic. And uh, we began to go on a trip. We established some foundational principles, first of all, about what a disciple-making model for a church should look like. And we came to arrive on an acrostic called TRIP. We decided that Trip is the way to go, transformational, relational, intentional, and purposefully faithful. We decided that when we looked at the way Jesus made disciples, that it was transformational. It was, it was aiming at life change. It was not just fulfilling some requirements or programs. It wasn't just passing on information. It, it aimed at life transformation and change. It was relational. It was not curriculum or program or course-based. It was life-based. It was a relationship of one individual to another or a group of people together. Real people walking with real people. We read in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, that when Jesus had chosen the 12 first apostles, the first disciples, it says that they might be with him. In fact, that was, that was fundamental to his whole model, that being with Jesus, that's the program. And then if it's interesting, because if, if that's the front end of it, at the back end of that bookend, 
We see in Acts chapter 4, and there's a time in the scriptures when Peter and John, two of the apostles, are standing before the Sanhedrin. And the Bible says in, this, in that chapter, um, Acts 4.13, it says that the Sanhedrin were amazed because these were unschooled and ordinary men, but they took note that these men had been what? With Jesus. So you see the bookends of, of their discipleship was all about being with Jesus. It's a relational model. Thirdly, it's very intentional. It's not just about creating the programming and the spaces in order for others to, uh, you to enter them and then find friendship and pursue the next phase of your spiritual growth. We want to try and create a more clear roadmap. We haven't finished doing that. We're still figuring that out. But we, we actually, I'm convinced that actually we don't all make the best decisions if left to ourselves. Sorry. That's my view of human nature. I think that we all need some guiding principles. We need a roadmap. We need a collectivity of people around us that are going to say, you know, you should think about this. This would be good for you. This would be good for your spiritual growth. And so we want to be as intentional as we can be. And finally, purposefully faithful. Well, the goal is Christ-likeness always. We do have a purpose in mind for anything we want to do. It is to become more like Jesus Christ uh, in all ways. And so, like the prayer that someone prayed, Lord, help me to understand what you had in mind when you made the original me. That's a great way to pray. Lord, help me to understand what you had in mind when you made the original me. Because that's we can't do better than God. We were created in his image. We are redeemed through Jesus. If we could just figure out who he had in mind when he created us, we could never do better, folks. Never do better. For as long as you live on this earth, you could never do better than God's plans for your life. So after the board and the staff came to this acrostic and this basic model of how we're going to pursue being a disciple-making church, next we started talking about the challenges that we face, the huge inertia that is needed to take a church our size and to move us toward becoming more like a disciple-making organism. And we realized that all of what we would do would be in vain unless we started with ourselves. Unless we start really investing this in this, and we, we really buy in, we have skin in the game, then it's all going to be for naught because it's just going to roll out to you like a program. A few people will get involved. Some people might be changed. That's wonderful. But that's hypocrisy if we don't own it from the top down. And so we began to go on that journey of looking at how God wants to cha challenge and change us. And so... We started asking what it is that God really wants us to be doing and who he wants us to be doing it with. We read a book together. We just finished taking up and reviewing the last chapter this past week called Bold Moves, Leading the Church uh, to Live Like Jesus. And um, Craig Etheridge talks in that book about uh, a, a, a recent poll in North American churches that said that only 6% of churches are growing 94% of churches in North America are either plateauing or declining. And we know that even for those who are growing, not all growth is actually people coming for the first time to really believe in Jesus Christ and follow him. We know that there's a circulation of the saints going on. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it's needed. 
But obviously we want people to land somewhere, build community, build friendship, and grow on with God, serving him. And so we realize that there's two big dangers that we face as leaders in this church. We face, number one, the danger of trying to grow church at the expense of making disciples. What does that look like? Well, trying to grow church at the expense of making disciples means that we, we make programming that attracts people according to their felt needs. But we don't necessarily address every spiritual maturity issue in their lives. Secondly, the second danger that we face is we try to maintain a church at the expense of making disciples. What does that look like? Well, it means giving program for church attenders so that we're all more connected and we're all more like the body that we're meant to be. But in the end also, it's more about the horizontal than it is about the vertical. It's more about us getting along as a great social club but not necessarily getting deeper in Jesus. Churches can make either danger or, or, or mistake. They can try to grow at the expense of making disciples and they can try to maintain at the expense of making disciples. We don't want to do either. Craig Etheridge writes this. He says that disciple-making changes the DNA of your church from being about managing activities to investing in people. Now, in a little while, I'm going to be inviting Pastor Doug to join me on the stage, and we're going to be going through and talking about what you can expect in programming for this fall. But believe me, our earnest desire is that not only will you be greatly involved in some of the programming that we offer, but primarily it will be to the, to the degree of wanting to see it as deepening your spiritual connection to Jesus Christ first and to his people second, and then leading you into mission in his name out into the neighborhoods and nations where God is calling you. That's our desire for all that we do. Maybe you've, some of you have read about the missiologist named Alan Hirsch, who does a lot of investigating into analyzing what church looks like today. And he said very bluntly, if we don't disciple, and he was mainly talking about our children and our youth, but I could say all of us, he says if we don't disciple our children and our youth, the culture surely will. The culture around us is discipling our youth. Anyone who comes to Jesus in the Western culture is already a well-discipled consumer. It's true, folks. It lives in you and it lives in me. We are already discipled into being a consumer mindset. And so what happens is the fundamental evangelical biblical themes that are preached on and studied in our church are actually turned into the themes of wants and desires as a consumer. A reduction of the gospel with a man-centeredness instead of a God-centeredness. And so we're being profoundly discipled by media every day. But you see, the problem is you can't build a disciple-making church on consumerism because the moment we stop meeting your need, you're out of here looking for another church, finding somewhere else to go. So we have to own what the gospel calls us to. We have to own that we're in this together, that Jesus' main thing is to make disciples who make disciples. And it's not going to be an easy transition because any church in North America has indeed bought into a little consumerism. But if the church gets on task of being countercultural, the way that Jesus called us to be countercultural, not just to be a pain to some others around you, but to be countercultural the way Jesus calls us to be countercultural 
example Sermon on the Mount. And if we give people, especially young people, a cause that is worth living for and even dying for, and if we nurture them, not collectively all the time, but one by one, if we nurture them into the maturity of that cause, boy, there's no end to what one local church can do to transform society. I believe that. And and our board and staff believe that. So we, we started another book. And the next book that we have now joined in starting to read is called Real Life Discipleship by Jim Putman. And um, it's all about building churches that make disciples. It's just so vital that you understand that this is the journey the board and staff are on. And we're really focused on us right now. You're not going to hear a whole bunch about it. I'm going to tell you a little bit more later in the service how you can join us. But um, right now, we just want to get it ourselves and live it and, and make space for it in our lives. Now, this morning, I could have chosen several texts to, to preach on. I could have chosen, for example, Micah 6.8. He has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That would be a great text. I could preach discipleship through that. Mark 12, and you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. I could preach discipleship through that. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I could preach that and talk about discipleship. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That'll preach. Disciple-making, too. We could have talked about Ephesians 5, 15, when the staff were discussing in the middle of the pandemic, oh, Lord, what is the ministry plan for the coming year? And we were in the fog, folks. We were in the fog. But God seemed to lead us to Ephesians 5, 15, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I could have preached that this morning. But I chose to preach from 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1-7. to And I'm just going to refer to two verses, the first two verses this morning. And just as we did with Trip, the acrostic, on disciple model, disciple making model for our church. I'd like to share four, four things that Paul talks about as a, as a disciple making philosophy that Paul lands on. And um, the first one is simply that for Paul, as we already mentioned, for Paul, disciple making is relational. Notice in verse 1, chapter 2, if you have your Bibles open, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, notice what Paul says. You then, my child. You then, my child. In fact, I, there, I haven't counted how many times Paul calls Timothy child in the faith in the scriptures. Um, Timothy was a very much a son in the faith for Paul. Over and over again. 1 Corinthians 4.17, I'll just mention a few. Paul says to the Corinthian church, That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. 1 Corinthians 4.17. Philippians chapter 2.22 says, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the father, he has served me with the gospel. Paul to Timothy. 
Disciple-making requires an organic relational connection with people, time together. It's more caught than taught. It's not just about a course or a class or a Bible study. It's life on life. It requires that. It's one of the reasons why in the Bible the metaphor of children is being used so often to describe spiritual growing. In other words, human childhood development is used by Paul as language to describe spiritual development in disciple-making. And, and it goes back and forth that way, if you think about it. For example, okay, born again. Born again. Infants in Christ. I could, call, I could only refer to you as infants in Christ. Young men, young women, elders. This is all human development language, folks. Listen to Paul, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I love this. In the same paragraph, Paul refers to himself as a mother, and then he refers to himself as a father. He says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, Paul says. And then in, in verse 11, you know that like a father with his children, we exhorted each of you and we encouraged you to live a life worthy of the Lord. So, so, so this metaphor, that's why I talk about it today, children ministry starting, this metaphor of childhood development is very much meant to be a picture of spiritual development. <clears throat> at every stage of spiritual growth, you should be able to look at physical growth and say, oh yeah, that's what it's about. Learning your identity. A little child, when does he learn who's mom and dad? When does he or she learn Oh, that's who I am. I belong to them. When does a child learn to walk? That's part of disciple-making, learning to live a Christian life. Walk. When does, when does a baby take first steps? One-year-old, less than that? How about talking? How does a, a child learn to talk but by listening for a couple years first? Prayer, talking to God. And, and what about... What about learning to feed yourself? When does that little toddler finally figure out to, to get it in the mouth, you know? The scriptures and edifying language and, yeah, I'm not going to watch that movie. It's not edifying. I'm going to watch that. Feed yourself. And what about cleaning? When does a kid actually get in the tub and start doing it without mom and dad supervising? Cleaning. What is that all about? Cleansing. Confess your sin, folks. Keep short accounts with God and with other people. Don't let sin pile up in your life. Don't get dirty. He says, you see, everything in the physical realm is supposed to teach you something about the spiritual realm. <clears throat> you, you, you parents with young children, you've got a living example right? <laughs> running around your house. Let's keep thinking about that. Let's move on. Let's talk about the next point. Spiritual. Look at Paul again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. The power that makes spiritual parenting, call it what you want, call it mentoring, call it disciple-making, but the power that makes spiritual parenting a dynamic and life-changing relationship is the grace of God. It's the third element, the third person in the relationship. It's the unseen guest in every relationship, one-on-one. -on -one. It's Jesus. It's the grace of Christ Jesus that makes the horizontal relationship 
impacting. It's not just coaching 101 based on sociologically proven theories of how human behavior works. Folks, that's not it. If you think that that's what disciple-making is all about, you've missed the boat. You haven't read the Bible. The Holy Spirit of God is present when some people get together and say, we are going to pursue God and his will and his word, and we're going to deepen our roots in him. And so Paul says, my little children, Galatians 4.19, this was the theme verse for Pat and I when we taught spiritual formation in Bolivia. My little children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul says in Colossians 1.28, we proclaim Christ, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may do what? Present everyone perfect in Christ. It's the grace of Jesus that walks with us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.10, this is one of my life verses. 1 Corinthians 15.10, I worked harder among you than any of them, though it was not I working, but it was the grace of God in me that was working. Do you see that? You see, Paul's saying, I'm going to give it all, but it's not really me. It's the grace of God working through me. Let's move on talk about the next point of Paul's philosophy of discipleship. It's communal. Look at it. It says in verse 2 now, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Oh, you mean this isn't just about Paul and Timothy? No, folks. This is not just about Paul and Timothy. Many witnesses. In Acts chapter 16, we are first introduced to Timothy. He's very unique. Why? Because he has a father who's Greek and a mother who's Jewish. And Paul says, wow, that's not heard of too often. This guy's amazing. Some people think that he came to Jesus on Paul's first missionary journey. Acts 16 is Paul's second missionary journey, and he's getting ready to go now on a trip with Paul. He joins Paul in the rest of Paul's second missionary journey and basically doesn't go back. He is now a missionary pastor full-time with Paul. And so from that moment on, everybody that was Paul's people were Timothy's people. The people like Silas and others they traveled with, every church they went to, he knew all the people that were in that church. They knew that sidekick of Paul's, Timothy. Man, he, he's on fire. He's, he's something. So much so that at the end, when Paul's getting sent to prison in Rome, what does Paul do? He says, Timothy, go to Ephesus and be the pastor, would you? And so when we write 2 Timothy here, when we see this scripture, this scripture is Paul's last this is Paul's last letter. Think about that. All 12 or 13, if you include, include Hebrews, you've got all these letters of Paul. This is his last one. That's why he says things like, I'm being poured out, I've finished the race, I have fought the good fight, I'm ready to go, you know. But here's Timothy, and you, you notice at the beginning of 2 Timothy, Timothy was a fragile young guy. He was sensitive. He said, he said, Timothy, God hasn't got given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and sound mind. Timothy, don't let these guys intimidate you. Timothy, you need a thick skin to be a pastor. Timothy had probably gotten beat up. Verse 7, chapter 1 says that he said, I, I, I heard about your tears. Pastoral tears at Ephesus. 
And so Paul is very concerned. And, and you know, by the time that Paul picks up the pen and writes 2 Timothy, we think that there's been about 20 years. 20 years with Timothy. He's been walking with Timothy. And so, in those 20 years, Paul, his people were Timothy's people. And at the end of the, the book, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, read about all the, word, the names of people that Paul's listing, some good, some bad. Timothy knew them all. Paul's just dropping names because Timothy knows them all. They're all Paul's people. They're all Timothy's people. That's what, that's what disciple-making does. What do we learn about disciple-making? Number one, it's, it's not a solo endeavor, according to this. It takes a village. It takes a church. It takes a lot of friends. And it takes time. We can't microwave maturity, folks. It takes time. And though we may have spiritual mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, there comes a time when the Christian community, just like children, there comes a time when mom and dad aren't enough. There's teachers and there's babysitters and there's other people that are involved in the maturing of that young person. And so children's ministry and youth ministry in our church, I hope, I hope we're coming alongside parents in their nurturing of their children. Now finally, I want to just say one more thing and that's, that's generational. And this is where we get into the big 2 Timothy 2.2 passage. This is the 2 Timothy 2.2 principle. It describes four generations of disciple making. Paul says, what you have heard from me entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice it. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others also. We got four generations of passing on the faith. And it's incredible. I, I was talking with Lauren Meisner, a friend of mine, this past week. And uh, we were talking about this passage of scripture. And he said something that I'd never really seen before. He said, where do you think Paul intended that Timothy would find these faithful men who are going to teach others also? And the answer is the same place that Paul found them. Because it's in verse 1. My child in the faith. You see, Paul was giving Timothy a key of what the future leadership of the church at Ephesus needs to look like. Is just start walking with the people that God puts in your life that are young and, and infantile in their faith or not even Christians yet. Start sharing who God puts in your path. Build them up in the Lord because one day they're going to be the future leaders of the church. But it's going to take that kind of training and, and disciple making. He's saying, I think Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, don't get lost in church work. Don't get lost in controversies and meaningless arguments. Chapter 2, verse 24, he says that. Don't get lost in that stuff. Be sure to invest your life in those people that God will give you because they're the future of your church. And so Paul expects Timothy to be a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who make disciples. That's how God planned it. That's how Jesus planned it. That's what the board and the staff of our church determined when we began this whole journey. We, we want to land on a model of making disciples that Jesus started when he chose the twelve. And then he sent them out after they'd been with him. Hey, some of you parents of young children, can I just, if I were to go up to you after the service and ask you if you have children, do you have any children? It would make me doubt your sincerity if you had to think about it. But in the church, we could go up to somebody else and say, do you have any spiritual children? 
And we'd start to think about it. Or what if I, I went up to you and uh, I, I said, do you have any children? You said, yes, I have three children. But then you had to ask your wife or your husband about the name of the third one. It would make me doubt your sincerity. And um, it should be the same in the family of God. We're striving to understand who God has placed in our lives for us to walk with. Who God has placed in our lives. Maybe we're the spiritual child and we've got a parent that we're going to walk with. Or maybe we're the parent and we're going to walk with them. Or maybe it's a Paul-Barnabas relationship. Those are okay too. But the point is, who are these people that are in your life? If I were to ask some of you parents, any age of parents with any age of children right now, was it worth the cost of having children or do you regret putting so much time and money into them? What do you think your answer would be? <laughs> I'd do it again in a heartbeat and I'd spend even more money and time, right? Folks, that's exactly the conclusion that anybody that's throwing their life into disciple making comes to as well. It's worth it. It's worth it. Five years from now, five years from now, what will you wish you would have done differently with your life? Five years from now. My dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So disciple-making, according to Paul, is relational and spiritual and communal and generational. I'm going to be calling Doug up. Doug, would you come as I lead us in prayer? And uh, we're going to be talking more about some of the ways you could be involved in our church. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, would you just uh, put a, a capstone on this message today? Put a capstone on the message for each individual under its hearing that will just say, yeah, that part of the message, that landed on me, that was the Holy Spirit speaking, not just Terry. And I need to do something about that. Or maybe that doing something about that will come, as Doug and I share, of some of the opportunities that are in our church. Would you open our hearts to you and lead us in Jesus' name? Amen. So um, Doug and I are going to be sharing now some things about uh, the programming that, are, that is coming up. And, and uh, I want to start by telling you about the Romans series that we're going back to yeah, starting next Sunday. We're going to be going back into Romans chapter 9 to 11. And, um, and then actually going on from that, we're going to be looking at uh, an Advent series. Then in the winter, we're going to really land on Romans 12. We're going to take... Nine or ten weeks just to unpack Romans 12. Then we're going into Easter, and we're going to take this year coming up, we're going to actually take the time to celebrate Lent. We're going to prepare for Lent like we try to prepare for Christmas, prepare for Easter. And then in the spring, we'll finish off Romans 13 to 16. And next summer, I'm kind of excited about, about uh, a Follow Me as I Follow Christ sermon series. That uh, we'll, More to come on that. But uh, the, the sermon scripture studies that uh, are available are posted and every week any one of you can go online and you can look at other resources 
Things like study Bibles, commentaries, extra questions. Life groups can use these. You can use them in your families or with a, a one-on-one with somebody. And also we want to invite you Tuesday evenings. Anybody that you that aren't involved in a uh, life group already, if you're interested in joining us on Tuesday evenings, there's a sermon series discussion group. We're going to be meeting in the foyer. And uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity just to apply the scripture that was preached on Sunday and walk more deeply with some other people that are also walking with the Lord. So we invite you to join us for Tuesdays. Many of the uh, programs... Oh, are we on there? Am I on? Hello? Yeah, you're on. Yeah, there you go. Many of the uh, programs and environments that we create are really to help us grow in our love of Christ together and our love of one another in that process. And... Uh, you know, for many of us, you, as you grow to love someone, you, love, you begin to love who they care for and who have loved them as well. And uh, so as I get to know you, I want to get to know your family, I want to get to know your friends, your neighbors through you. And we know that this year has been a tough year. This last uh, 18 months for many people during COVID, we've lost loved ones. And I know it's been on Pastor Kevin's heart for quite a while that we want to just have a, a communal memorial service and we're looking at the first Sunday of November, and uh, we'd like to just put this on your awareness that if for you, if you've lost a loved one, not because of COVID, but during this COVID time, so many people, we haven't been able to grieve together. You've grieved alone, and we need to have a chance to, to not only grieve, but then also to express our hope and share our memories about that loved one. And so there's a few ways you could be involved. One would be you could maybe come and share a short testimony. Maybe you want a memory table in the foyer of the church that just plays pictures and something of your loved one. Or maybe you just want to give a picture for our, our tribute that we'll make. But we just want you to be aware that the first Sunday in November, it's going to be a worshipful night where we just remember the people in our church family that we've lost from our church family. And also if you have an immediate church, uh, family member who's passed away, like a mom, a dad, a brother, uh, this is an evening for you, for us to be together. And I know every time I've gone to a funeral from one of my friends, for one of their parents, I've left that funeral thinking, man, I wish I knew that person. I wish I had known them better. And what a wonderful way for us to deepen our friendships with each other in a Christ-centered way by remembering those who have shaped our lives and have now gone into eternity. So I just want to make you aware of that. Uh, helping people heal, that's so important. Pastor Kevin and the uh, deacons want to be spending some more time and just inviting you to the ministry of presence for people, just visitation. And so there'll be some training offered in the next while. And if you're one of those people who say, I could just come alongside others and just be with them, we'd love for that to happen more and more in our church family. We also want you to know that there are a variety of what we'd call support ministries within our church that help people in different stages of life. And one is grief share. And if you've lost a loved one, and it's just been a, a, something that you've never maybe been able to talk deeply with someone about, or you don't even know how Christ is involved in this part, or, but it, you, you just need a space to talk about your grief and about Christ's presence. Um, we're going to be offering grief share starting in the middle of October. It's going to happen on Monday nights. And uh, it doesn't matter if this loss was this year or three decades ago. If it's something that you're in, and you say, I need to journey with people forward, this is what you'd want to consider. We also have invested time and energy and just relational uh, care into a ministry called Pure Desire, and it more or less deals with sexual integrity. 
and for people who are in bondage in some way, that we want to journey together to say Christ has freed us from that, and we want to live in purity. And another ministry that takes place on Monday nights is Seven Pillars. And of course, you can imagine these groups are private. We're very careful about what we share about them. And uh, so there's uh, Seven Pillars, Betrayal and Beyond, Conquer. Uh, we can tell you more about those. The person you'd want to talk with from our church is Steve Morris. And he'd let us, you know what our church is doing. And if our church isn't doing something, he'd also let you know what else is available within our city or as online resources. But we want you to know that you don't need to be alone. There's people here who love you, want to love you. We might not know you yet, but I can assure you that if you make your need known and you're willing to take a risk, you will be met by loving people who love Christ and will love you. With that said, prayer is so important in our church. One of the things I'm thankful about is every uh, Wednesday morning we have come to the core and uh, Erica Cooper has been leading this group, come to the quiet, sorry. And uh, Erica Cooper has been leading this group for many years. And one of the things that's key about it is allowing God to be the one who speaks first. That we don't just come with a list and saying, this God, this is what you need to know and just pray about that. But we say, Lord, what do we need to hear from you? And Erica always comes with scripture that helps us to adore Christ, to confess, to intercede. I think we all need to remember that we are not the initiators in our relationship with God. God is, and we need to give him time and space to speak first, and he does that most clearly through his word. And so if you want to come on a Wednesday morning, we'd love to have you there. Uh, but Brenda Noble and Erica Cooper said, it would be great to have a prayer, day of prayer retreat at the church. And so we're aiming for the last Saturday of this month, and the first part of the morning is really just going to help us to slow down, worship God, and say, what is something about the character of God that's really impacting me now? And I'm just going to spend the morning worshiping him. Get some verses if you need to. Go for a walk through Fort White. But we're going to bless you with a morning to just worship God for who he is. And then in the afternoon, we're going to spend some time for intentional prayer for our country, for our church, for our missionaries. And so please put that on your calendar to come the last Saturday of uh, this month. And I had mentioned about two weeks ago, a World Watch List. And this is a guide that will help you to be more informed about what Christ is doing throughout the world and how Christians are standing up in truth and love. And because of that, they are being persecuted for their faith. And by that, I mean many are dying and many are imprisoned. And I, I want to just give you this challenge. When you think about this last year, when you think about this last month, when you think about this last week, even yesterday, how much of your conversation has focused around COVID and how much of your conversation has focused around Christ? And I'm pretty sure most of us would have to confess to say, Lord, I've been speaking about COVID more than I've been talking about you. I've been thinking about all those different things more than you. We need to get our mindset on Christ. And I can tell you that praying through this guide will help you remember what God is doing throughout the world and what he wants to be doing in us here. Christ has a message for our world, and it's him. He wants to be known. With that said, I'm really excited that one of the things we're planning is a missions weekend, October 22nd to 24th. Tim Noble is lead on this, and you know what? I'm going to let him share on that. We have a video for you to, sh to watch now. Good morning, church. You know, God has blessed us with a wonderfully diverse congregation, people coming from all over the world together to worship the, uh, the Lord. 
And on that last day when we gather together at the throne, it will be the same. People from uh, every tribe, every tongue, every nation gathered together to celebrate the glory of the Lord and His incredible love for us. You all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, some of you have also heard the uh, advice that you can take your own name and put that in there and say, For God so loved John. For God so loved Mary. For God so loved Paul. But I want to suggest something pretty radical to you. Instead of putting your own name in there, read it as it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son. And now we have to ask ourselves, do we love the things that God loves? Are we delighted with the things that God delights in? Do we love the world? Next month, on the weekend of October 23rd and 24th, White Ridge Baptist Church is going to celebrate this amazing, incredible love of God for the world with a missions weekend, and there will be something for everyone. On Friday evening, 4HG will have a special speaker, a young woman who came to Canada at the age of 12, and she's going to be speaking about her experience as a 1.5 generation Canadian and how her faith has shaped her experience. Saturday morning, there will be a men's breakfast with Pastor Calvert from the Truth and Life Worship Center speaking. And on Saturday afternoon, there's going to be a lot of different activities, family activities, cultural presentations, panel discussion, helping us to get to know and understand our brothers and sisters who worship with us who come from around the world. There will be a workshop on learning about how to reach out to those neighbors who come from around the world. On Saturday evening, we, we plan to have a movie. On Sunday evening, the Kairos Blanket Exercise. And then on Sunday morning, worship that celebrates this amazing love of God for the world. And we will also have a parade of nations with representatives of different countries carrying the flag of the country that's close to their heart. And then, Lord willing, we're going to have food. That'll depend on uh, COVID restrictions and so on, but we're going to try. So if you're interested in helping out next month at the Missions Weekend on October 23rd and 24th, please talk with Pastor Doug or myself. And uh, for those of you who might be interested in carrying a flag to represent a country or giving a cultural presentation, there will be a survey coming out as well. In any case, we hope all of you will come and join as we celebrate this amazing, incredible love of God for the whole world. Thanks, Tim, for sharing that. I'm excited to see how things are coming together. You'll be hearing more about this uh, weekend in the days ahead. Uh, last thing I want to mention to you is uh, come to the table. For those of you who are new to our church family, um, about three years ago we started come to the table right when we moved into this building. And more or less we tried to have on a regular basis consistent meals together on a Wednesday. A big part of that, again, is the discipleship focus of saying we can easily say we're a church family but we don't know each other or we don't know each other's children. And so the idea was to create a space that would make life easier for you. You don't have to make a meal. You could come and for $5 a person, at the time it was $20 a family, you could come and have a meal, meet different people around the table. Half this gym uh, was uh, tables, the other half was an area for children to play. 
and just come and relax and learn to have Christ-centered conversations. And after the meal was over, uh, there was English conversation circles, there was precept Bible studies, there was life path seminars. We created space just for you to have coffee with people in the foyer or play a board game. The idea was that we need to find a way to spend time together to actually grow in our love for each other because the Bible says the world would know we're Christians by our love. And our hope was that as we genuinely grew in a love for each other, we'd also want to bring people to that setting that are our friends who don't yet know Christ so that they could experience Christ among us. It wasn't just about food. It was about Christ-centered fellowship and the witness there. We had 100 people serve in a month to make that ministry possible. And there was really good buy-in from the church. As you can imagine, we can't just go back into that. And with COVID, we don't know what the next months look like. But right now, what we're suggesting is that we just start seeing about the health of our teams. Do we have enough people to serve in the kitchen? So many of you were on kitchen teams before. Well, right now, uh, we have to see if those teams still uh, can grow, can uh, develop. So we're just asking for the month of November, if COVID will allow, we're planning to have the meals here again. And instead of having it that we direct you to tables and you meet new people, we're going to focus it on neighborhood groups. And a lot of your neighborhood groups haven't really been able to meet together as you'd like to in person. And so during these weeks, you could talk with your group and say, how about if we have a meal at church? And you can come and you can sit at a table. Again, the meal's cared for. You just pay a small price to pay for it. But you could be together and, and uh, develop those relationships around your neighborhood group. So uh, with that, I want to tell you about a survey that is available for you to fill in. And I hope this has worked, and I hope you don't mind, but your phone probably buzzed at around 11 o'clock, and it was a text message from a number you won't recognize. It comes through Breeze, and on it, if you really read the text, it will say a survey from White Ridge Baptist Church, and it will be a link to the survey that I'm telling you about now. And that survey help, uh, lists all the different ways that you can be involved in the things that we've all been talking about, the memorial service, um, uh, the missions fest, about if you want to carry a flag and which country you'd represent. Uh, it talks about come to the table. Are you willing to serve on, on a kitchen team? And it's not an ongoing commitment. It's just for that month. You pick a week or two, whatever you can. So you can go through that survey. And then it also lists a variety of other needs, like we've talked about in the past weeks, about what happens here on Sundays. So please take time. When you see that on your phone, it's not a scam. It's not taking any weird numbers from you. Just uh, click on that and fill in the survey over the next days. Your participation is what allows us to know what we should move forward in. It's part of our discernment process. Because if God's in it, then we should want to be moving into it together. Yeah. Amen. Please uh, take that up with Doug because um, we really want to hear from you on that survey. Um, I spoke earlier of an event coming up on November 14th, Sunday evening, 7 o'clock. We are going to simply be here as board and staff in this room. We're going to have an evening planned together, two hours of just sharing our journey and, and, and inviting you to join us, inviting you deeper into the disciple-making process and showing you what it could look like. It involves slowing life down a bit. It inv involves making decisions and discerning together. But uh, we'd love to be able to, to do that together. So keep that in mind. November the 14th, you'll be hearing more about it this fall. Doug and I are going to take you through a, an average week now, a typical week that you could look uh, at this fall starting Monday. And starting on Mondays, uh, that's when uh, Rudy, Pastor Rudy, meets with the young adults. And uh, he's, it's called Interact. And he told me just yesterday, we're going to carry on with the Book of Romans. So you can look forward to that, uh, you, you folks in there. Uh, grief Share is also on Monday night. You heard Doug share about that. And the Seven Pillars group, um, those that 
experiencing sexual brokenness, unwanted behaviors, uh, a path to freedom uh, on that evening as well. Am I missing something, Doug? No, no, that's for good. Mondays, that is regular. We have all these things that pop up, but those are the regular things. Uh, on Tuesday mornings, we want to open up solid grounds. Again, we're able to now. It's just a matter. Solid grounds is opening up the coffee area in the front of the foyer just to create a space for you to be together. Just imagine any kind of a coffee house, except when you come, you don't have to feel rushed out. And again, you can know that anybody coming hopefully wants to develop friendship and wants to develop in their walk with Christ. Again, we're trying to create spaces for you to talk about Christ openly. If we do it with each other, we're more likely to do it with our neighbors. So if you're a student and you need to come and study, or if you work at home and you just need to get out of the house, you can come and do that here too. So part of the survey is, am I willing to be a host for coffee, which is simply uh, you know, taking care of the coffee station. People pay a dollar for a coffee, 50 cents for a refill. So we'd like to see that opening up again real soon. Uh, also, on Tuesdays, we have polo parents of little ones. So if you have little children and you just want to come and meet other parents, you can come on Tuesday mornings and enjoy that together. Um, and then in the evening, that's the night that we have our sermon series discussion groups. We usually did it on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but we thought with COVID, we'd just start with Tuesdays. And this is a place for you to come saying, you know what, I've listened to the message. I'd love to talk more about it. Uh, it. It's really saying, I've met Christ in this way. I want to share with someone else what I've learned. I want to be encouraged by what other people have learned and to develop friendships through that. Yeah, on Wednesday we have the Solid Grounds Cafe open in the mornings and we also have come to the quiet, as mentioned earlier, that prayer time that Erica leads. And also uh, come to the table, Lord willing, in November and we're going to see neighborhood groups uh, get involved in that. And then uh, in the evening, Precept Ministries, Bar Brewer studying the book of Revelation. Uh, call the church office if you'd like to be involved in that. And then Brendan Noble leading English Conversation Circles. Uh, a ministry that's dear to my heart because I get to interact with people from other cultures and Brenda's really looking forward with her leaders to starting this uh, mm. as well. One of the beautiful things about ECC is that a lot of it's one-on-one -on -one or one with three or four and many of the people started using solid grounds in the morning because they couldn't always meet as long as they wanted to on Wednesday nights so they'd meet and you'd see people having those uh, life-giving conversations teaching English uh, in the foyer during solid ground so that's another reason we want that space available um, starting in two weeks every other week we're gonna have an adult Bible study here at the church it's gonna be follow me of course that's a discipleship theme by uh, a video series with David Platt and so you're welcome to attend it's for anybody if, if you're free during 10 to 11:30, please come it's every other Thursday and then we want you to know that we do, uh, we are, have a food bank here where we're a distribution center for Winnipeg Harvest. And that happens every other Thursday where we have 20 families right now that we care for. As soon as we're kind of through this COVID season, we're going to move to 50 families and that will be our max for a while. But we would love to invite you to join us in caring for those in our community who just need that type of help for this moment. Because it's not just the food they need, it's the presence of Christ. Even in the short interactions we have, it's hugely valuable. Amen. Friday, um, 4HG stands for For His Glory. It's our youth ministry. And uh, Pastor Rudy has been designing a course, a, a study this fall that he's going to start into called Hot Coals. And that could scare some of you parents, but <laughs> don't worry. It's an actual series of studies on Christian and kingdom ethics for youth, uh, starting with the Sermon on the Mount and going onward. And so different themes, but again, looking at it from a Christian perspective. If you want to know more, contact Pastor Rudy. 
So that's our week at a glance. And of course, those are the things that happen on a fairly regular basis. There's a lot of things that happen that are just one-offs. What I want you to know is for those of you who are in a a life group, um, we are having, again, the sermon scripture studies that will be available online. I'll send you an email this week that gives you the access to all of them. But if your group has something where you have like just a one-time meeting where maybe it's a bigger event, you can talk with the church and if we're able to, we will find you space here. We can't find space generally for week after week, but if you have those one-off events and just say, we just need a bit more room for this, then talk with us and we'll do what we can to find you that space on the calendar. So just very quickly, we're going to look at the weekend. A lot of you know what Sundays look like, but Saturdays is, a, is very much a prep day here at the church. The worship team uh, often practices Saturday mornings. And Pastor Kevin wanted uh, those of you who are younger students just to know he wants to create space. I, I think he just wants to call it a youth jam. And there's no end goal except to, to enjoy playing and worshiping God together. And you can develop in your skill, but develop in your love of God. I know he wants it to be, again, a real discipleship focus about learning to worship God. And so uh, please, if you're interested, talk with Pastor Kevin about that. And on Sunday, I'm going to ask Sheila, our children's ministry director, to make her way up. But on Sunday morning, we also have an international Bible study that Brenda Noble leads called Meet with Jesus. It's in the fireside room. We can, uh, you can talk about that as well. And um, on Sunday, Sheila, talk to us about what goes on with the, uh, children's ministry uh, on Sundays particularly. Hello, everyone. Um, First, I just want to say a little hello to all the little ones that are in the service this morning. There's a couple that I wanted to wave to. (laughs) Any over there? Um, I know that our, so we've we've done a phase reopening. I have three areas under my care, which is um, the nursery, which is babies to age two. We have the, which is the Little Lambs Nursery. We have Sun Seekers, which is preschool age three and up to grade four. And then we have the Wave, which is grade five and six. So those three different areas, we've opened up our kindergarten to grade six for this Sunday, and we're really excited, like praise God that we can open that up. Um, Lord willing that we can open up our nursery and preschool. I know that there's some preschoolers here and some babies here, and we're just, um, we're asking for prayer as we do that process to be able to reopen and get the people in place for that. So, yeah. Right on. Sheila, why don't you have a seat here? And... um I'd like us to pray for you and for children's ministry. Today's their kickoff. We're, we're hoping, Lord willing, next month we'll get preschool and, and, and nursery in there. But um, actually, I'm going to ask us all to stand. Would you stand with us? And uh, Sheila, you too, if you want. And uh, we'll, we'll have this as our closing prayer as well. I know the time is getting on. So let me lead us in prayer. And in the midst of that, let's pray for Sheila as well. Oh, Father, uh, thank you so much, God, that you've met with us this morning. And... Um, just asking you, Father, to help us to turn the page, to move on in, in life and in, in ministry and in relationship and hospitality and for the programming and services that we want to offer. Lord, uh, help us, God, meet with us. Exalt your Son, Jesus Christ, in our lives through everything that we attempt to do. And we're so grateful for Sheila and the many that help her in her team and those that help on Sundays for the various programs. Would you meet uh, them? Thank you for the parents and, uh, and the children. Lord, would you keep them safe from COVID, safe from anything at all that would harm the opportunity to come alongside parents and minister to children about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about the word of God, about their own faith journey toward you. And so bless Sheila and her team and encourage them. And, and now, Father, we bless you. We bless your holy name. 
And we ask you, Lord, that the, the love of God, you, our Heavenly Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you, our Savior, and the fellowship of you, the Holy Spirit, who lives within each believer, that it would be with us and among us and upon us until we meet again. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. People of God, go in peace and have a wonderful week. Thank you.